What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. Just a quick reminder for you guys, you get access to all the great tools over at Fantasy Points with a 10% discount if you use code TRIPLEPLAY22. Make sure you use that code. I promise you that 10% off, better than any 10% off you're going to get anywhere else. I can guarantee you that. What's going on, everybody? D-Mendy here, joined by a cheesy dessert that uses and sings his ABCs, whether that's Aces, Bases, and Closers, or Angel Food, Boston Cream, or Cheesecake. It is Art Tornaveni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake DLC. Elsie, how's it going? It's going really well. I, uh, you're making me, reminding me that I am deciding to bake a cake with my, with my, my boys coming soon. We're going to, we're going to make a yellow cake together. It's a, it's a treat for everyone because they feel like they're, they're doing something really great and I get to eat some cake at the end of it. So, uh, so I'm, I'm reminded of that when you spring that up, not angel food or Boston cream, but it's a, it's a pretty good cake, yellow cake with chocolate frosting. Are you going to send any my way or no? I mean, probably not. It's not going to make it past the weekend with the, with the three of us savages over here and, and that yummy frosting. It's not going to make it past the weekend. Glad to see that you like to uh, to share with, with your family here. That's okay. That's okay. We'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. Ah. Of course, also joined here by a man that uh, sings Nolan Arenado as the alarm clock would go off in the morning. <laughs> and that's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? I can't take you seriously when you're laughing, introing me on, David. Do you remember it? Do you remember doing that? Dude, of course I do. Come on. Aren't you proud that I remembered that? No, I'm not. <laughs> you should be. You should be. I was very proud that that came to me. Uh, of course, also the last member of the crew. We can't forget the man that makes sales and grinds rails. It's Marty Ooh. Tallman, a.k.a. Marty Party. What's up, man? Dude, I'm doing very well. Um, I thought it was some kind of sick joke to have the first day of TGFBI on the last day of the month. As a man who's in sales, you know, day in, day out, that's grind time, you know, but it's okay. I still have the, um, I think I have the best average pick time, like the lowest. And uh, yeah, I'm really liking my team and I'm feeling good tonight. What's your average pick time? Uh, under two minutes. So Yancey Eden, good friend of the show, is in my draft room. You guys want to know what his pick time is? Six seconds. I was gonna, it's seven seconds. He's, he's, he's the man. That's next level. Yeah, he's that's that's goals. But under well, your time isn't too bad either. Uh, no, any, some of them are an hour. Couldn't couldn't be me. Maybe when we're all together, we're an hour. But separate, separate, we're we're a little bit better than that. But I'll tell you, it's also a little bit better than that. That's the guest this week. Welcome in a man that you could call the Anthony Volpe of the prospect community. He's a writer, a prospect analyst for Fantrax, a Mariners correspondent for Prospects 1500, and a dynasty lister at Roto Fanatic. This man stays busy between his marriage to the Mariners and all the great writing he does across multiple sites. He may be part of Prospects 1500, but he's number one in our hearts and on today's show. So welcome in, Michael Richards. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. Thanks for having me back on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, I really enjoy watching your guys' videos and all the different things you do and uh, happy to be part of this. Hey man, happy to have you on the show. You are incredibly smart, incredibly talented, and you have good taste in podcasts. So 
we love to have you here. And uh, before we get started with all the great stuff tonight, please tell everybody all like I know I covered some stuff, but what should the people know about you that they may not already know? Well, uh, let's see. I got started with this uh, baseball stuff last year. I kind of got popular, I guess, on Twitter, just doing a lot of lists. And then I kind of shifted over to doing daily prospect updates. So people have reached out to me a lot and thanked me for helping them, you know, transform their minor leagues and their dynasty teams just by telling like random guys, you know, like I mentioned, Anthony Volpe in early season last year, a lot of people picked him up and just random things like that. So that's the main thing I'm focused on. I'm looking forward to that coming back once the minor league starts in 38 days, that's going to be my main focus. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically it for now and writing well, articles again. I mean, you're a great prospect mine and a great follow do a lot of great work. And we need that mind here because we've got a very perplexing position to talk about today. And that is our shortstop preview. So obviously real baseball, we're going to talk about that in a second, but we're here to bring you some good fantasy baseball content with the shortstop position and go over players. We're fading some players. we like some late round gems, all that great stuff. You know, there's going to be disagreements, debates, Maybe even some agreements if we're lucky, but there's going to be a ton of great fantasy baseball information coming your way. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, you get to make one pitcher that has three pitches. All the pitches are from current MLB pitchers. What is your pitcher's arsenal? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we here to do it for you. Let's dive right in and let's talk about the first bit of news. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a lot. So, I don't know. I'm obviously you guys have kept up with the news about the baseball season, what's been going on. And I just want to outline for our listeners in case they've been maybe not too caught up with everything is on Tuesday, MLB made its best and final offer before 5 PM Eastern deadline to avoid game cancellations. The union players leaders voted unanimously to decline the offer. And for fans like all of us, it marks a disheartening and just ugly end of these negotiations that we've been so invested in over these last few days. You got Rob Manfred basically talking about now he officially canceled the first two series of the regular season. And then after he was practicing his golf swing. So that just shows you how much he really does care about uh, everything that's going on right now. They have no plans to reschedule this contest or double headers or anything like that. These games are gone. So that's the best case scenario is we get, the schedule in at about 155 games as it currently stands right now. That's the maximum that can be played in 2022, but there's been no update as far as what we can expect going forward from that. So they're supposed to have a couple more meetings, but it's not very promising as it stands today. A couple of things I did take note of as far as gaps in some talking points in their uh, contract stuff here. Minimum salary, they're $25,000 apart. Competitive balance tax, they were $18 million apart. Service time manipulation, MLB's offered two draft picks within the player's first three years if he finishes a top three in Cy Young Rookie of the Year MVP. And uh, players receive a, they, MLBPA wanted a full year of service time with their rookie season if infielders, catchers, and DHs finish at the top five of their position in war. The anti-taking measures, which I don't know if you guys knew this was something they were also debating about, but the MLB wants the lottery for the top five picks, equal odds. And then the MLBPA wants the lottery for the top seven picks. 
And then after the top seven, it's by worst record. And then they agreed universally on 12-team playoff, minor league options at five, and no and a universal DH, but not on uniform advertising. So it's a lot to break down there. I know I talked a lot, but this is basically just a lot of the issues that have been going on kind of behind the scenes here. I want each of you to give me your Cliff Notes version, so maybe like a, a two minutes or less version of your thoughts on everything that had been going on. And this is kind of your platform just to speak your mind just for where we're at today. Michael, you're the guest, so why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Okay, well, first I'll, I'll start by saying this is the sort of stuff I don't normally pay attention to because uh, I don't have any control over it. Like, I don't want to ride the roller coaster. So, like, I haven't posted anything about this on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know people, and actions speak louder than words. And to me, the owners have made it clear that they're not interested in making a deal from the start. And anything that's led to this point was theatrics, basically. And uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what their motivation is long term, but they're but they're trying to change something uh, for good. And uh, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the owners. I'm not a fan of what they're doing. Uh, I, I, I support the players 100%, basically, like on every level. And they should be asking for more than they're asking for and getting more than they're going to get. Yeah, I think most people are, are definitely on the same page with you. And we saw how little the owners were going to budge. And we saw all the tactics they used by basically saying that they were going to sit down and try to get this done and making it seem like that they were interested in trying to do something, but we all know they were okay. Missing games. Cheesecake. What about you? I think the owners have not been acting in good faith from the start. They didn't want to get it done. I think a report came out today in in the group chat. I think Marty sent it around. So I'm, I'm, I'm stealing your point, Marty here (laughs) and saying that like that uh, the owner's, can miss up to 25 games and feel just fine with that. They're not really losing money at 25 games. It's it's once it gets to more than 25 games where the owners might have a little bit of incentive to get things going. Um, to me, this is, yeah, they, they haven't been doing this in good faith the whole time. If they really had were in good faith, they would have pushed to start meeting every day way sooner. That's all. Yeah. Uh, I don't disagree with anything you're saying there. Marty, did he take everything you were going to say? He or? stole it all. He absolutely <laughs> stole it all. But no, uh, yeah, the 25 games is a good point because they won't lose any regional money. So let's say, you know, Fox Sports or Bally Sports Fitness, you know, they don't, as long as they keep it under 25 missed games, they get their full paycheck, which is kind of crazy. Like, I don't know how, like, how they worked it out. See, the owners just hustle, man. That, right there, that contract's nuts to lose 25 games and you still get the full pay. But my biggest point is, and it's it's just real simple. The, evaluate, the valuation of every MLB franchise has skyrocketed and the minimum salary has gone down. So the owners keep making more money and then they're expecting the players to take less. That doesn't fly. That's it. That's my whole thing. That's it. Yeah, and, and to that point too, there was also reports that MLB, like the MLB owners implemented at the very last second three rule changes they wanted to take effect this year, banning shifts, a pitch clock, and oversized bases. And right now, they apparently, uh, Bob Nightingale, you can take whatever you want to say with a grain of salt, but he said that this will not begin before the 2024 season unless the union agrees. MLB wants this to take into effect in 2023. 
Yeah, and it, Ross Stripling's really good Twitter follow, and he said it all. He said that, you know, they put in all these different things right at the last second as if they haven't been prepared. And he's like, we've been prepared for five years. We knew they were going to do this. They waited until there's only 10 days left to sit down with them. So we know, like Art said, they're not, they were never doing this in good faith. It's all about the money, baby. It's, it stinks as fans. Doc, what about you, man? So this is a business. And the inherent goal, the DNA of any corporation is to make as much money as possible. And you do that by paying as little as possible. And it's not just with baseball. Look at the average CEO salary for any industry and they're going up. And a lot of times that people in these high positions, they act in bad faith because they can. And a lot of a lot of it is ego driven. That's what we're seeing with MLB owners here. And I hate to be a Debbie Downer. I'm afraid we're missing more than 25 games. Like at this point, I'd be okay missing 25 with the fact that we're getting a season. But the players seem like they're, I mean, how many times have we seen people take to social media to air out the grievances before? Like the players are doing everything they can to get the ball in their court. I think they've had the public sympathy more than ever. Like they're going to play hardball. And for a lot of them, they're going to need the money. But a lot of these uh, union leaders or, or team representatives are people that make a good salary and they're going to look out for the future generations. I just hope we get something this season because the hardcore fans like us, of course, we're going to be back instantly, but they're going to lose a lot of fans for future generations. And you just hate to see that for America's pastime. Yeah, it's very rough right now, but hopefully doing stuff like this to keep our minds on what we love and not on the the democracy of everything right now is kind of where we want to keep us at and where we want our listeners to stay at because we like to keep baseball talk fun, engaging, exciting, informative, and that's what we're going to keep bringing you guys. Of course, tonight, continuing that with our shortstop preview. So let's get into the good stuff, what you came here to listen for at the 15-minute mark of this podcast, all right? So we're talking about our top 30 shortstops and then a gem going outside our top 30. First, of course, going in the 1 through 15 range. And, of course, we use NFBC ADP. We have a two-week cutoff. So this is since February 17th as far as what we're talking about, the ADP, where they stand. And let's do it, guys. Let's dive in. Let's talk about our favorite shortstops in the 1 through 15 range. Remember, favorites and fades could mean draft price being accounted for. So, Mike, got to ask you, in the top 15, who is your favorite to try to draft? Well, I mean, obviously, I want I want the top picks, so I'm, I'm you know leave those out there, like Tatis and those guys. Um, but as far as after them, the guy that I find myself most interested in at his price is Xander Bogertz. Um, and I know someone else wrote him on their on their list too, but uh, he's just really the one that stands out to me. Like his his batting average, his his home runs, runs, RBIs. You're going to get, he's going to chip in the steals. He always plays, you know. So if you, if you can afford to add a shortstop at that point that you don't need like, like top end speed, he's the guy. And I, I like him more than some of the guys that are going. Yeah. I mean, Bogarts is, you miss out on the, the top few guys there and he's, he falls right in your lap in the third round. I think a lot of people love taking him there. Doc, he's also, as Michael mentioned, you like him very much so here too. Why are you a fan? 
Yeah, so since he entered the league in 2014, the minimum amount of games he's played in a season is 84%, and that includes the shortened 2020 season. I mean, look, he's a consistent guy. He's going to give you double-digit home runs, at least a 10-floor, but he's had 20 or more four times in his career, a career high of 33, probably give you around 80, 90 RBIs, but has that 100-plus potential. They do have a really good lineup. Doesn't really strike out a lot. Good contact hitter. Some stolen bases. He's a safe pick. He's what Bubba calls a steady Eddie. And I, in third, fourth round, if you can get him there, that's great. Yeah, third round's right around where he's been settling in most drafts. And you can see with the NFBC ADP, he's going around pick 47. So if you're in a 15-team league, again, that's firmly into the third round. Can I round. just ask, I just want to know that max pick of 67. Like, that's... That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he's looking. I might, I might spontaneously combust if I was in that league. And this is again since February seventh. It's not like this is over the whole off season. This is over the last few weeks. So, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty wild. It must be all Yankees fans in that draft. Could be. That's a good call, Doc. Uh, now, LC, you were a fan of the guy above him, Marcus Semyon, which I think I hear him trashed at his ADP a lot more than people liking him at his ADP. Why are you on the opposite side of the fence? That's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about him, because I do think that he's being drafted appropriately. I think he's someone who, going in the back half of the third round, you you, you start to look at your people have been throwing around the word draft build a lot this off season. And this is, this is every podcast talking about, Oh, I like how I can build from here. Semyon is someone who fits into a lot of different builds, especially if you're drafting in the back half of the first and you go hitter pitcher or pitcher pitcher, your hitter is most likely going to be an outfielder. Um, and Semyon, he's going to Texas Yes, he's not going to have the same season he had with Toronto last year. You're not drafting, expecting anything like that. If you were expecting 45 home runs, he'd be going in 15 steals. He'd be going in the upper half of the first round. He's been going in the latter half of the third because the regression is expected. But what Semyon does give you is Semyon gives you a lot of volume. He's play. He plays every day. He uh, he's going to be hitting at the upper half uh, at the top of that Rangers lineup and he's going to give you some pop and he has above average speed. He's a double digit st- steals guy. So you're going to get double digit steals. You're going to get probably close to 30 or more home runs and 180 plus runs plus RBIs in that. That is, um, that's pra- that's pretty much a five tool contributor at that point, especially if he gets back up to his 15 steals from last season. So I think that, uh, you know, people are trashing him, but, He's he's a steady Eddie, just like uh, just like Xander Bogarts. He's an accumulator, but he gives you above average pretty much every everywhere. He's going to be about average in in, in batting average, uh, about about the median the, um, in that. But otherwise, he's a he's a good performer, and I think he fits into a lot of builds where he's going. So you don't think with him getting a new contract that he may stop running anymore? Just kind of. At that point, I mean, stolen bases are are a big part of his profile. Mm -hmm. And so if if he cuts his stolen bases down, is that still worth where he's going for you? Uh, Well, I know Texas is a is a running team. They allow their people to run. It's you know, and it is about his desire to run. You know, he got 15. I'm saying that he's going to gear back 
between 10, to between 10 and 15. So I think he's going to run probably a little bit less, but um, it isn't, it isn't determined by his, his value is not determined solely on the speed. That's just a component of it. I think that he's going to provide enough pop and counting stats, even if he doesn't get to that double digit steals. But I do think he'll at least get to close to double digit steals. If you look at his games played since 2018, 159 in 2018, 162 in 2019, he played 53. Uh, what was it 60? How many games was it in 60 games in the shortened season? Mm-hmm. 53 of the 60 games in 2020, and then 100, all 162 again last year. So if you combine, he's missed 10 games in the last four seasons, which is absolutely insane. Um, but like you're saying, Cheesecake, all the projection systems have him anywhere from 10 to 13 steals next year. So yeah, like right in that range. So yeah, I could see it. Marty, let's go to you, bud, because Tim Anderson was the example we used pre-show about somebody and you like Tim Anderson, the batting average. I believe he has the highest qualifying batting average since 2019 among players right now, as far as like his batting average, I think it's around 330 uh, since then. I'll double check on that. But besides the batting average, why do you like Tim Anderson? Well, before I start talking about him, I'm going to flip my hat around. You know why? Because he's a bad man. And this is how Tim Anderson wears his hat. So looking at, yeah, let's start at batting average. So this is him over the last three seasons. He batted 355, 322, 309. He's going to get you at least 15, 20 homers, somewhere in there, at least 15, 20 steals. He's leading off in one of the best lineups in baseball. The White Sox are just going to be you know, beasts day in, day out throughout that entire year. So expect him to get close to 100 runs. RBIs are going to be around, you know, 60, 70, you know, somewhere in that, maybe a little bit more, depending on if he's able to um, to get a couple more uh, home runs. But speaking of steady eddies, I mean, what more could you ask for? And on the turn, let's say if you start off with a Garrett Cole or you go with a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and you want to be able to solidify some, you know, 20 home runs, 20 steals and a great batting average, that is your guy. So you like him. I mean, he's the fourth shortstop going off the board. You you have to get him like as a, a, a pretty much, I know the average right now is 31, but that's kind of towards the back end of the second beginning of the third round. You're comfortable using that capital. Yeah. Right on the turn. Yeah. I, I we need as many hitters as possible. They're not going to sink my batting average and they're going to be able to contribute in steals. And he's going to be able to do that with no questions asked. His BABIP, which I know people were talking about that eventually going down. It's his always last, been high. Yeah, his last three <laughs> seasons of his BABIP, 399, 383, 372. <laughs> that boys will be boys. Hey, that's just yeah. it goes with him, and he's he's always able to out, outperform it. He's still be able to run at, at a good speed. He does strike out more than I'd like to. So anyone in those OBP leagues or the points leagues, obviously he takes a huge hit. But Roto, he's good to go. All right. Let's go back now. Let's talk about the other side of the coin, our dislikes in this top half of the range. And, Mike, let's go back to you. Who in this one through fifteen range do you find yourself just too expensive for your taste? So I was considering a couple players here. One of them was Simeon, uh, but I I like his dual eligibility enough. I'm, I'm still probably not going to get him in a lot of teams. But the guy that I'm fading the most based on ADP is probably Francisco Lindor. Uh, I know he's been really good in the past. Um, I guess this is partly based on my experience of having him on the teams last year. I, I just don't feel comfortable 
with how deep this position is to just say like, oh, he's the fifth, fifth or sixth best guy at the position. I don't think he's going to steal like he used to. Uh, I don't think the Mets play in a good park. Uh, the Mets always are a mess to some degree. Like I don't see them putting it all together and him just being a force, you know, in their lineup. Of course, this is all possible. He's still a talented player. Um, and he's creeping on age a little bit. You know, he's not like in his mid twenties anymore. So I guess all these things combined uh, make me want to fade him at this stage in most leagues. That's fair. I think, you know, people are expecting a, a somewhat of a bounce back, but how much of a bounce back to be worth? I mean, he, right now he's discounted, but maybe not enough for, for others. I mean, he's right now going around pick 50. So you're seeing him go, you know, in the fourth round and you're like, is, is that, you know, especially a deep position like shortstop is that type of capital you want to spend. <laughs> Thanks for telling me that as I don't have a shortstop through round 14 in TGFBI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, you're living dangerously with that yeah, one. Living life on the edge. Uh, doc Trevor's story. I think people are talking about our, our buddy Micah at fantasy central one tweeted out today. If, if he is out of, of course, he's going to be a jazz chisholm. Now I mean, that, I won't go that I won't go that far, but I see where he's going with that. But Trevor Story, the fifth ranked shortstop, Jazz Chisholm. What is he? Twelve. Jazz Chisholm over the last two weeks is twelve. Yes. Yeah. So I hate the combination of low walk, high K rate. Trevor Story for his career is eight and a half walk percentage, twenty seven point six K percentage. So if he leaves Colorado, you figure the power goes down. And that, that's not just home runs. Figure RBIs, runs, it affects multiple counting stats on there. And Trevor Story has gotten very lucky with his bat bit, probably playing in Colorado. 343, 332, 345, 361, 354. And finally, it regressed to, new, to 293 last year. I see it staying closer to that than in the 350s, 360s, and it's been in the first couple of years of his career. I don't have a problem with him as a player for me it's just more of price and i know that's what this these conversations are centered around yeah obviously you have to spend a good amount of capital to get trevor's story uh but we, we brought his name up cheesecake so i'd like you to weigh in jazz chisholm very polarizing player i think some people like his upside but then some people are scared off of his floor sounds like you're more of the latter here with mr chisholm yeah i mean we had when we had uh, our Marlins buddy Peter Pratt on here, he predicted a 40-40 season for Jazz. And, <laughs> did he and, really? You know, he did. That. He did. I um and uh, and you know I'd, you'd love to see it. He seems like a good person. He's he's a otherworldly talent, and and the Marlins they need someone to like that on their squad. But I I, I look at him and um, I think a lot of the work is being done by his April from last season for, for how people are thinking about him this year. He, he was injured at the end of April, came back, and in uh, May through the end of the season, he hit 236 with 14 home runs and 14 stolen bases. Um, that kind of sounds like Robbie Grossman to me, you know, if uh, out over the whole season. Gross. And it's like, and so, like, I realize that the steals, the speed are what you're looking for. And I think you're going to get speed from Jazz Chisholm. But I also think you're paying a lot for it. And um, if you really want to get that sort of middle to poor batting average with 20 steals, you can go about 80 picks later and pick up Robbie Grossman. Or you can you can 
find your speed in a different way with jazz you're going to have to take on a lot of batting average risk now if your build is such that that you are um that you are uh, very good on batting average Chisholm might be a good bet a good a good flyer a good lottery ticket to take but it is a lottery ticket i think that it's possible he has you know uh that sort of really low 230s batting average with um with 2020 and and it's great you know that's that's helping your team but you're spending like a fifth or sixth round right now a fifth round pick on him and there's a lot of good pitching going in that range there's a lot of good pop going in that range and i feel like you're having to pass up on a lot of good team building things to take some speed there um it's not empty speed but it's uh it's it's killing your batting average yeah, it's a very risky pick in the top five rounds to go and hit, go get Chaz Chisholm. Uh, one of the bigger boomer bust players this year. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out hopefully very soon. Now, Marty, you have another young phenom here. The, mm-hmm. One of the bigger phenoms with Wander Franco. Obviously, this being a Roto League that you have him in a bust in this format. Um, do you have the same for points leagues or do you feel, or is it just more you're talking about for Roto? Yeah, no points is, yeah, he's going to be absolutely great. And I think this is one of those times where, you know, we're as like an actual baseball player, a full baseball player, Wander Franco is absolutely incredible. So let's, let's separate these two and we'll only talk about him strictly fantasy. Cause I think some of this hype getting him all the way to the pit, uh, pit 56, you know, in front of Baez in front of Planco, in front of Seager, even in front of your boy Witt, it's just the fact that he is going to be a very great MLB baseball player. But looking at his stats, he has only hit double-digit home runs once in his pro career, and that was all the way back at rookie ball. So it's possible, yeah, he's, he's very young, so you know it's possible he may makes that leap and maybe he gets you 12, maybe 15 home runs. Um, but he's not going to steal you a ton of bases either. You know, I mean, he has a great sprint speed. It's in the 85th percentile, but he only stole two bases last year. And um, the Rays aren't exactly gung ho, you know, on running that much. So it's less of, you know, how great he's going to be. And just for this year, strictly, he's going to get you a good batting average. He's going to be able to get you a good amount of runs. But outside of that, he's doing nothing elite, you know, nothing that's really going to show up for you, you know, day in, day out. So that's why. Yeah. I mean, if you look just in the minor leagues. He had only one season with double-digit stolen bases in 2019 at single A. Now, projection systems have him anywhere from 8 to 10. Seems kind of lofty based off of his two steals in 70 games last year. But, I mean, you're right, Marty. I mean, you look at 12% K percentage. And, has, I mean, that's consistent among his minor league track record. 7%, 7.4%, 6.7%. This guy doesn't strike out. You know, he walks at a little bit of a low average clip, but he's still getting on base. And uh, yeah, I mean, better real life player, like you said, I think, than fantasy player and in points leagues. Him not striking out and consistently getting on base is going to be a good staple to have in your lineup there. Let's talk about the next range. I always think this is the funnest part of the conversation. When we get to the away from the slam dunks, uh, actually, well, before we get away from the slam dunks, Michael, have you heard that Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be the next Patrick Mahomes for baseball? What does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> it means that uh, he's going to have the impact on the Royals like Patrick Mahomes had on the Chiefs. I could see it from an excitement standpoint from the fans. David, you have to find out which analyst said this so you can properly throw <laughs> it. Um, 
But Michael, I really, really, really fast. And then I promise sure. we're going to go back here. Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rushman, Bobby Witt Jr. Rank those three for me. For fantasy? Long-term? or let's, just let's, this year? let's do for... Well, I know this year they might come up at different times. Let's say long-term and then in real life. Like long-term for fantasy and then for just real okay. life. Well, I am, I've always been a Julio Rodriguez guy. I think his hit tool is special. Uh, so he's my number one. And Wit number two, Adley number three. That's how I would rank them long term for fantasy. For real life, uh, that I don't have as much experience with, but I, I guess I would say Adley Russian's number one and Wit would be number two because they're positions. Mm. Julio Rodriguez number three. So you're a Julio Rodriguez. I know Clegg is too. Bobby yeah. Witt, I have is the best of the three. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, I understand that he's going to be up first. He steals more. Yeah. It's gonna be, I'll, it'll be exciting to watch all those guys. I think hopefully they will all can debut this year, which would be really cool. Um, but we'll save that for a prospect show, which you can check out the call up on YouTube. If you have not already. Hey, uh, but all right, 16 through 30 as we get to this range now. Let's switch up the order a little bit here as we go here. Let's start with Marty. Let's talk about your favorite going in the 16 through 30 range. And dare I say, you're talking about a New York Yankee, Gleyber Torres. That I am. So the the um, the renaissance of Gleyber Torres. So um, this year, he's going to have to have a back, bounce back year. And I think when people think about Gleyber Torres, they think that he had a worse season than he did. I mean, he only hit nine home runs, but he still stole 14 bases. He batted 259, got you 50 runs, 51 RBI, and he's kind of bouncing back between second and shortstop. And, you know, a lot of times when players are doing that, you know, and they don't have a position, you know, they kind of you know, freak out about that, you know, and they end up spending more time and focusing more on their defensive skills and not completely on, you know, um, their offensive skills. So Torres, he still has a starting lineup or a starting role in one of the best lineups in baseball. He's still hitting hitting in Yankee Stadium. He's still going to be visiting Baltimore, although the fences are a little bit more pushed out. So the uh, the wall scrapers won't be going out. But yeah, he'll have, still be fully in the AL East. And I'm expecting a big bounce back for him. And what do I mean by that? 15 to 20 home runs, around 10 steals and a 270 average where he's going in that middle infield position. Or if you're Doc and you've waited way too long, he'd be your starting second baseman or shortstop. But he's going to be extremely valuable there, and you're going to be able to ride him throughout the entire year. Does it also help that he's in the best shape of his life? <laughs> I haven't heard that, but I'm, I'm sure he is. <laughs> yeah, it was an article from MLB.com on uh, actually February 26th, so not too uh, – well, yeah, they're talking about that uh, that he's feeling great, that he's lost weight, and he feels as athletic as he ever has. Well, there you go. That's all. That's all you need to know. Now he should be uh, good to go. Uh, you know, for the rest of the year. But looking at just the, like after the All Star break, All Star break, he batted two eighty nine. You know, he hit you six home runs and he got you eight steals. So if you can just ride that wave into next year, he's, he's going to be a really solid pick there. Yeah, I mean, you're getting him at a very good price right now. If we scroll down to him, he's going right now at the where is he? The twentieth shortstop, a pick one hundred and forty six. Yep. So that's. Pretty I mean, last good. year I was I, he was going around the fourth, fifth round. So yeah, this is a huge break. Cheesecake, you are a big fan of Mr. Dansby Swatson, the uh, the Q-tip. So I got to ask you why why are you all in on the Dansby Swatson? <laughs> why do you call him the Q-tip? 
Because it's like Swanson seems like swab, like you would swab your with a. Q-tip. Oh, okay. I thought because he does have like a a hair thing that kind of puffs up on the top. Sometimes got too many, too many. I thought I was, I, was, I was like I was like is that because his hair? Um, Even either Swan- one works, but he's the key. Yeah, I mean, you could call him the TV dinner because isn't Swanson <laughs> the TV dinner company? I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I'll look. That up. Yeah. <laughs> I never touch the stuff. I'm all about healthy food, people. No, um, not not true. Um, Dansby Swanson is is uh, a, an above average shortstop. He plays a plus shortstop. He plays just about every day for that Atlanta team that has a very good offense. Even if they lose Freddie Freeman, they're going to be getting Marcelo Zuna back. They're probably going to sign somebody to replace Freeman, so they're not going to have some bum at first base. And uh, Swanson hits generally. He hit in the fifth or sixth spot in the lineup last season and accumulated a lot of counting stats, 27 home runs, uh, 166 combined runs plus RBIs, which is really solid. Um, He also stole nine bases. This is a person who has an 82nd percentile sprint speed. So he's another guy. He doesn't have the same power as Simeon, and he's not going to produce the same amount of counting stats as Simeon, but I kind of look at him like, like a poor man's Marcus Semien, someone who plays every day, plays a decent shortstop, doesn't have the positional flexibility of Semien, but he does produce the counting stats. He does have the pop. And, you know, there's there's always the potential that he could produce more more home runs or more stolen bases. And I think that that uh, that good pop and and decent, decent chip and speed is a very nice buy. And I think when you compare him to the guy I just talked about, Jazz Chisholm, um, you're getting, you're getting a better batting average. You're getting more pop and you're getting off, you know, maybe half the stolen bases. So I think that, that, you know, I would rather take someone else where Jazz is going and just take Dansby and try to fill in a little bit more speed later on in the draft. Yeah, if you look since 2019, his barrel percentages went up. His hard hit percentages also went up. They got to 40% and above the last three years. And his barrel percentage is now in back-to-back years, 11.4%. So he's definitely hitting the ball harder, a lot more power. And like you said, that's that's definitely something that could be appealing. ISO is obviously, now it's gone up four straight years. So, you know, he's hitting, you know, giving you... Uh, his average went down a little bit last year, 248 compared to 274 in the short in 2020, 251, but probably like a 240 to 260 hitter, you know, give yeah. you 20 home runs. It's not a bad where he's going right now. Uh, I could see why he's appealing to you, especially if you miss out on the runs there. And he's going to give you anywhere from like maybe, you know, nine to 11, 12 steals. So right around like that Simeon stolen bases range, right? Yeah. There. Uh, Doc. How you doing? Doing good, man. Long time no talk. How about you? Mm-hmm. Pretty good. You're a fan of Chris Taylor, I see. Somebody yeah. that's uh, somebody that has this position flexibility everywhere. But are you scared that we saw last year was a career year from him, and that even though he's not super expensive, that he won't be anywhere near what he was last year? Well, you know, it's funny as everybody we've mentioned so, so far has been gone in my draft, so. That's just showing you how 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 behind the barrel and shortstop I am. But I don't think it's a career year. I actually look. We talk about the multi position eligibility, but if there's a DH and Max Muncy's out, that opens two everyday roles. And last year 
Chris Taylor played 148 games, which was the second most in his career. He's only 30 years old. He's one of those guys that seems like he's been around forever. And he's going to do a little bit of everything. Now, he's not going to give you the best batting average. He's a career 250 hitter. But he stole 13 bags last year. He had 20 home runs. He's hitting in a great lineup. 70 RBIs, I think, is within the realm. And especially just because of his multi-position eligibility and a shortened season where people might get hurt ramping their body up, you can plug him in a variety of places. What are you, second shortstop outfield? So that's mm-hmm. a lot of ground he can cover. And he's a guy I've been targeting in a lot of my drafts. And just in TGFBI, I didn't get him. Yeah, I mean, again, he's going to play a lot also for the fact that they just the Dodgers have lost some players. So, uh, But again, is he an accumulator? 160 games last year, 27 homers, 88 RBIs, had never had more than 17 in a season before last year. The nine stolen bases are great. So again, in that nine to 10, 11, 12 stolen base range. Yeah. I'm, I mean, this is what we've talked about with like Whit Merrifield. Cause I know we, we disagree on certain things, but I'm chasing those accumulators. Those people that have everyday roles that you can have multi-position eligibility so that if you take a second baseman and you hit on a later pick, you can move Whit to outfield or you can move Chris Taylor in a variety of spots. And because he's playing in a great lineup, he should hopefully accumulate those stats. I think he's going to have a longer leash than he has in previous years. Fair enough. Oh, by the way, also cheesecake. There are swats in TV dinners, so you are correct. <laughs> Just made sure I found that. All right, Mike, did we say your guy or is your guy still hidden from the public yet? Well, I, I actually like those options more than my guy. I just I went a little bit deeper on the list. Um I was torn between Brendan Rodgers and Luis Urias. Um, I like their multi-position. Basically, that's the main reason. And um, they're similar level players to me. The reason I lean towards Urias is because uh, Rodgers has a, a long history of being injured. Uh, I don't trust the Rockies as much. Um, Urias has the second short and third base eligibility. And that's key for leagues that you need depth. Uh, the increase in power last year was significant. And I, I'm not necessarily saying this is a power hitter because he's kind of a smaller guy, but this is a guy who's always been really young coming up through the minor leagues. And when he was in his early stages, like this is a guy that had like a Wander Franco type 7% K, K rate. So like, there's some room for him to become like a, a pretty good batting average guy. Like I think their projections in the 255 range or whatever is, is probably pretty low. So you're not going to get the home runs, but uh, a great park, good lineup, 24 years old, just coming in to his own. And he's the type of guy who I could see and we kind of saw it last year where he just blows up because he's finally matured in playing against people his own age for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could see it just by finally about getting the opportunity, which I think could be there for him. Let's stay with you, Mike, and let's talk about someone in this range you don't necessarily find yourself drafting too much of, and who would that be? In uh, that would be uh, Eugenio Suarez. It's the batting average thing. He's been too bad in batting average for too long now. Uh, I don't know. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but uh, he had a monster year a couple years ago. And that, that's an, just an outlier season, in my opinion. And basically, he's, he's a guy that I would take in a points league, but it's just like a 
it's just a nightmare. Like I, the, the 35 or 40 home runs he may hit, if he stays in the lineup and hits 210, I just, even, even at shortstop and third base, I'm just, I'm just rather avoid it and let someone else deal with that. Well, Marty, I think you are very much concurring with that statement. Anything else you would like to add for why you're also fading Eugenio well, Suarez? I mean, you weren't kidding. Michael's a very smart guy. Do you know what I mean? Like he just, I just could not agree with him more. And, you know, and I do have those horrendous stats here in front of me. So in, in 2020, let's start there. His expected batting average was 216. He somehow had a worse batting expected batting average in 2021, where it was only 215. He strikes out 29.8% of the time for those keeping track at home. That's a K percentage in the sixth percentile. Yes. There's a possibility he's going to, you know, hit you 30, 35 home runs. So, you know, for those that are in an overall aspect and they just want, they're just literally swinging for the fences on every single pick. I can kind of make sense of that to a certain degree, but at the same time, I mean, he's going to absolutely plummet your uh, batting average every single time he's out there. Um, His walk percentage is in the 63 percentile. So points leagues, OBP, he's a little bit more valuable, but even with, you know, uh, the third base and shortstop eligibility, it's a no thank you. No, thank you. So polite of you, Marty. You know, yeah, I think he was one of my bigger mistakes last year drafting him because the power you thought he gave me give you like a 240 batting average, 40 home runs, and he showed he's kind of an all or nothing guy. And that batting average was brutal mm-hmm. for anybody that had him all season. He was, I mean, dirt surplus of the year, he wasn't even hitting 200. So it's just. And he finished uh, at 198. And we we think about him hitting all those home runs. And again, we, ha- we go back to that 2019 bouncy ball where he had those 49 home runs. So I, I don't I don't see that ever happening again. No, I, I think I'm right there with you. I'm definitely fading him, both of you guys in that one. Uh, now, Doc, you like to stay away from drum roll, dramatic pause. Brandon Crawford, who's right below. No, that's that's uh that's who my late round gem oh. is. Wait, what do you mean your late round? He's he's thirty one. Brennan Crawford, look where oh, he is. Oh, J.P. Well, Crawford. He wants J.P. Crawford. Uh, yeah, I'll take J.P. Crawford. And speaking of, Nikki Lopez got taken in my draft. A two, another shortstop did also. I'm really panicking at this point. Uh, <laughs> why, while you're panicking, why don't you talk about one that probably went in Ahmad Rosario? All right, so Ahmad Rosario, a career 4.6 walk percentage. I mean, that's awful, especially for someone that you're looking to maybe get some stolen base upside from. He has limited power upside. He has a career 272 average. I mean, we've kind of seen this from him before. Like, he's played in the major leagues for four full seasons, and he hasn't really – he's had flashes, but just no consistency. Like, he's going to get playing time playing with the Guardians every day, but he doesn't barrel the ball well at all. It's 3.3% for his career, relatively low hard hit percentage. Like, I just don't see – like we can see with Alberto Mondesi or other people, it's okay. We're chasing steals. We're chasing batting average. What are you chasing with him? Playing stolen time? bases. Stolen bases is the biggest thing. But he only had thirteen last year, and most projection systems have him anywhere from like ten to seventeen. So it's not like he's giving you like twenty plus steal upside. Yeah, he had he had thirteen last year, and he had zero and forty six games with the Mets the year before. So. Yeah, and he three twenty one OBP last year. Yeah, so that that's what I'm saying is like it's not like year in year out he's giving you speed. Like he probably will have double digits, but that that's just a huge reach for me. It's going to sink every other category. Yeah, I think he might be one of my bigger ones as well. But did you did he get taken in your draft? 
Ahmed Rosario? Yeah. Probably. Oh, if he should, if he did, you should just all take right, it. All right, let, let me let me update you guys on the shortstops that's left the top one. So Brandon Crawford, uh, Rosario did get taken. Oh, there you go. It's not your problem anymore. Uh, yeah, I let me tell you, I'm really this this category is very shallow. All right, well, just like how you're shallow, let's go to someone who's not, and let's talk. Let's go to Elsie, and you are a a. Uh, disliking mr cruz now yeah. that hurts that hurts many people that are high on the six seven shortstop prospects why are you being a debbie downer well i i mean it is you're never going to go wrong um betting against rookie breakouts i think that's one of the first things that i'll say is that it's a big jump and, and cruz played had nine plate appearances in the in the bigs last season got three hits had 30 plate appearances at triple a uh, hit about 550 at AAA, but that's still only about 40 total plate appearances at the upper levels. Uh, he's six seven. You know, he's 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 a fantastic athlete. His career uh, in his career in the minor leagues, his uh, career 162 game average is 281 batting average with 20 home runs, 24 steals, 100 runs, and 83 RBIs fantastic that looks like a guy who's going to become a five-tool player perhaps but um you know this is a big jump for him triple a was not that strong and he only has nine plate appearances at the big league level he's going to have a big 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 adjustment we look at what happened with jared kelnick last season he had like a 40 at bat hitless streak when he got up and and no one was questioning the tools that kelnick has i think when you're taught when you're trying to uh, pick someone, you you have to draft them like a, a prospect. You have to draft them so high, the opportunity cost generally comes. It generally comes at at, at a big big uh, a big cost because round where he's going, pick two fifteen. You know, Jordan Montgomery is still available in a lot of drafts. A lot of good pitchers. Uh, your your Dylan Floros, if you're needing to get saves, there's another person who, who's who's going to be available to you. There's a lot of pitching, and there's a lot of power there in, in the outfield. A lot of talent there. So, the other point I want to say is that, like, if you're dra- if you're drafting O'Neill Cruz, are you going to be playing him to start the season? Are you putting him on your bench? We just don't have enough information right now about whether or not he's going to be up to start the season, how and how he's going to be once he gets there. To me, the opportunity cost is just too high. I'm not drafting a guy with nine big league plate appearances who's six seven, and I can't have no way to project how he's going to go. He's kind of like you're. You're very much out on the potential projects and the high upside but low floor guys with him and Jazz Chisholm. Mm-hmm. You don't want to take those types of chances this year. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's rapid fire. Let's go and do our last part of this segment. And starting with you, Mike, after shortstop 30, who are you trying to target in every single one of your drafts? Uh, well, I actually wrote down a little group here, but uh, just as a prospect guy, but I'll, I'll stick with one. I mean, who's your group? You can list a few guys. Well, it's it's basically the guys who could see time in the majors this year. It'd be Jose Barrero for the Reds, uh, Jeremy Pena for the Astros, Bryson Stott for the Phillies, and a deep sleeper uh, is Royce Lewis if he's healthy. 
Mm. Royce Lewis. Yeah, he's Royce Lewis is way down there at 731. He's free. You can get him in the last round of your draft. And uh, I think even in draft and holds, I haven't seen him being taken in like the uh, 50 round draft and holds. So yeah, it's a, it's a very big gamble, but the talent is there. Like he's just way off the radar at this point. You know, once he stays healthy, like he's a guy that people are going to want, I think. Out of the first three you mentioned, Barrero and Pena and Stott, do you have a favorite out of that group for this year? Um, I guess I guess it's Barrero because he's already been in the majors. and But it, it's tough. It's tough for me because I, I think any of them could, could end up uh, getting the most playing time. It, like the Astros and the Phillies have a, a, a hole at shortstop as far as I'm concerned. And the Reds are in a rebuild and Barrero is capable of playing outfield too. So it's really tough for me. Like I, it's, it's one of those things where I basically just kind of wait on them and then take the last one type of thing rather than to aggressively target one of them. I dig it. I dig it. Elsie, you close us out with Mr. Hong Sung Kim, who you're, I guess, not concerned about the playing time like it was last year. I'm not. I think that um, with the DH going to be there in the NL, Kim, there's just more opportunity for him to get some plate appearances. And I, I don't think we saw the the real Haseon Kim last season. He was a 5-2 player in the Korean League. It's a big step up. It was his first uh, experience hitting Major League Pitching. I think you're going to see a little bit more not now not not the 295 20 30 30 that he was doing his last few seasons in Korea but I think you're going to see a little bit more of that five tool profile start to show out um and he's going late he's got that short shortstop eligibility and uh potential for you know 450 to 500 plate appearances with good pop and speed and a good batting average you know we got to remember that it, it takes a long time for these guys to get used to the major leagues when they come over. So I think it's in his second season. I, I'd like to see him. I, I think he's going to step up. All right. And Marty? I was going to say, I thought you were going to almost forget about me, but you didn't. Good for you. Of course not. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do a Tyler Wade. So all the, scroll all the way down to a pick of uh, 521. You will find Mr. Wade. He has shortstop, third base, and outfield eligibility. So I absolutely love that. So start there. Really good position flexibility that late in your draft. And the Yankees traded away Wade after he finally had a breakout season. So he's on the Angels now. And he's going to be, as of right now, they're starting uh, shortstop. So um, ATC projects him for about 20 stolen bases. And this is going to be the first time he's ever been able to be a starter. So it's possible he's able to keep around that 260, 270 batting average. He's sitting at the bottom of the lineup, like I said, so I don't expect there to be tons of counting stats. But for where he's going, maybe your last pick of the entire draft to get 20 stolen bases without killing your uh, batting average with all that eligibility, sign me up. Interesting. I don't think we were going to hear a Tyler Wade call on this podcast. but That's why we get deep. I like it. it Mari just goes and cannonballs in the deep end. Uh, Doc, close this out for us before we can move on in the show here with your J.P. Crawford. Yeah, so J.P. Crawford, I mean, finally got the playing time last year, 160 games, career highs and home runs, RBIs, career low in K percentage. He's actually been declining the last four years. 
I think Seattle's going to have a better hitting lineup. And I look at how he finished the year in September, October. He played in 29 games, hit 311, three homers, 16 RBIs, 22 runs. So hopefully he carries that momentum into the next season. All right. Well, good way to close that out. A lot of great discussion. We were able to knock out a lot of good players, a lot of players we're avoiding, and, of course, some gems. So, as always, a lot of good coverage here on the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast. Let's move now to our next segment, which is going to be our question of the week, which is sponsored by Monkey Night Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is an affiliate to Monkey Night Fight, the fastest-growing sports betting site in the United States. If you would like to have your $100 deposit match up to $100, so 50 for 50, 100 for 100, 20 for 20, whatever you got, they will match you up to 100. Use promo code triple play and they got you. All right. Question of the week. You get to make a pitcher. You can create one. All types of pitches from current MLB pitchers are available. You get to pick three for that arsenal for your pitcher that you're going to create. Give me the three pitches. Obviously, the pitch that you pick, you got to pick the, tell me the pitcher that throws it. So let's start with you, Michael. I put this question out on Twitter uh, about like a week or two ago, and I was I loved seeing some of the responses. So let's hear your created pitcher. Well, I'm going to be honest. This part slipped my mind. I didn't. <laughs> well, I, well, I basically, you know, we'll, we'll come back to you. We'll come back to you. You'll get some creative uh, okay. uh, stuff here from some of these guys. So. Okay. Doc, let's start with you. What what does your pitcher have in his arm? Yeah, so my, my guy's just going to be a flamethrower for the most part. He's going to have a Josh Hader fastball, you know, something with a little more upward movement. Then we're going to have a Jordan Hicks sinker. So just fast pitches, but going in the opposite direction. And one of the underrated sliders in the game, Adam Adovino. Adam Adovino throws a great slider, tons of movement. And there's a video where you can see it from the batter's perspective. It looks like a boom, a boomerang. So no slow pitches for me. Just all out gas. Okay. Exactly. Tommy John probably halfway through the season. Okay. I, I mean, that's probably true with what your eyes throw in. Marty, who is the, uh, what is your arsenal? All right. So we're going to start off with the two seamer. So Bruce Star Gratterall's 103 mile an hour two seamer. It has 19 inches of run has over um, uh, 2000 RPMs. Go check out one on pitching Ninja against Evan Longoria. It was absolutely incredible. So to play off that two seam fastball, I want to use Corbin Burns's backdoor cutter, which is obviously one of the best pitches in all of baseball. Four to five inches of movement, up to 3,000 RPMs. Uh, he can hit up to 99 miles an hour. And if you watch it, it, it's off the plate. And then at the last second, curls back in and gets it right in the right in the black in that bottom right-hand corner. Righties and le- like lefties cannot hit the pitch. So we're going to have those the two-seamer and the backdoor cutter work off each other. And then we're going to bring in the best slider in all of baseball, Blake Trinan slider. It's absolutely unhittable. Um, the batting average against it last year was – 0.074. The slugging percentage against it was 0.074. So what that means is every single only hit that was off the slider was a single. Um, and it ends off with a 45.8% whiff rate. So there's no one's going to be able to hit me. That's digging deep for that one. Uh, yeah, trying slider is, was, I think, only behind Corbin Burns. Uh, his... Um, his slider is the best pitch in baseball, according to batting average against. Marty so. and I both getting Tommy John surgery in June. <laughs> yep. We need that shortened season. 
Are do you have all gas or are you going some breaks here? No, I got I got to, I, I have a, a varied arsenal. I went to fan graphs and looked up pitch values and I was looking for lefties that um that were kind of under the radar, maybe not not the people that you would expect to have the best pitch values. So I'm starting off with the Tyler Matzik fastball, which was the number 12th best fastball by pitch value um, last season. And he's he's gonna that fastball is gonna be the the basis of of his of my pitcher's um, arsenal. 12th best fastball. Then the 28th best slider is Gregory Soto's. There's my lefty slider coming in. He puts it right under that the right-handed hitters, and they can't, you know, right-handed hitters can't touch that slider. It just dives down to their feet. Um, but what I'm gonna here's how I'm gonna get them. The number one changeup in all of baseball was a guy trying to make the Angels rotation this season. Jose Suarez had the top changeup by pitch value in all of baseball. So my three lefties coming up with a lefty starter with uh, Tyler Matzek fastball, the Gregory Soto slider, and Jose Suarez's changeup. I'm going to be unhittable. That's a man that does his homework right there. Nice job. I mean, three. there was no superstar references in there, so that's that's digging deep to see what pitches from these kind of lower-key guys are really just kind of putting the world on fire. So I, I like those calls. Surprised no one has said Jacob deGrom's fastball, Jacob deGrom's slider. Just that's what everybody is. I thought oh, I thought about it. Oh, you're gonna call Jacob Degrom, Mike? Well, I was gonna use one of them at least. I guess I yeah, I was gonna use his slider. I guess Heraldus Chapman's fastball, Jacob Degrom slider, uh, maybe Lucas Giolito changeup, and uh, and just someone with really good control. Yeah, that's, mm. a, that's a good arsenal too. I think you guys are all. Uh, well, some of you guys are headed for Tommy John surgery. I think LC, you're good. You might be the one that I, I picked because you last the longest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe Chapman. Uh, but all right, let's go to our last segment of the night. That's our game of the week. And I'm hosting this week. And sometimes it's very difficult to think of new ideas for games, but your boy did. And we have, it's called the father-son connection. So I'm going to give you a son or a father and you have to tell me the name of the other that I don't say. So whether it's the father or the son, okay, you got to give me their actual full name. So some of them obviously are easier and some of them are a little more difficult, but I tried to make sure I could find the most kind of closest ones to where everybody could guess it. Not ones that like doc's going to struggle with here. I know doc's not going to know the, the older, older ones. I mean, so, that's true. There is a big age gap between me. And that's what I'm honest, saying. So, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I thought that was shade for a second. I thought it was shade and then I realized it's factual. Yeah. No, I was trying to make it fair. So the example for you guys, if I were to say Bo Bichette, who would you guys say is his father? Dante Bichette. Dante. There you go. So how or is it we call out first or round robin? I'm just going to go round robin and then someone else starts off each time. So if you know the answer, maybe look like you're thinking about it. Because I was either going to do this or just have you guys all DM me on Twitter, but I think it's going to take too long. So let's just do it round robin. I've got 10 of these here. I feel like they should go quick. So that's why I did 10. So let's get this started. Let's hopefully give everybody a gimme here. And let's start off with you, Doc, up top. Kevin Biggio, what's the name of his father? Craig. Marty? Craig. Craig. Kelsey. Mike. Craig. Congratulations. You all have a point. All right. Marty, nice. you start off number two. 
Who is Cody Bellinger's father? Mark. Mark. LC. Oh, my guys, you too. Love you, buddy. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> He's really selling know. it. He's selling it. I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm pretty sure Mark is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's right? I think Mark, it's Mark Belanger. Um, I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea. Come on. He threw him in the home run derby. Brian. Okay. <laughs> Mike I can tell you that's wrong. So don't take Brian. Yeah. I don't know either. Uh, I'll go with Eric. Oh, you'll never usually get right if you pick Eric. Just FYI. <laughs> you know what? Since I you picked my name, I'll pick yours, Michael. <laughs> guys, it's Clay. You guys remember Clay oh, Bellinger? No. Yes, I didn't. I didn't. Yes, yes. No. it's he's a left-handed pitcher, Clay Bellinger. Guys, oh yeah, that's one of those things I don't pay attention to for some reason, yeah. or right. just goes over my head. All right, well, we're one for two. LC, you are starting off with our next one. Who is Kyle Drabeck's father? I believe his dad was better than him, if I'm not mistaken. Doug. Mike? Doug. Doc? It's Doug. Did you actually know that? I did, actually. Doug. That is correct. It is Doug Drabeck. Nice job. All right. Each of us got two on number four. Michael, you're starting this one off. I know them three are going to get this one. Just want to make sure you will as well. Who is the father of Nick Gordon and D. Strange Gordon? It's good we're starting off with you for this one because, yeah, I know they'll get it. Yeah. I feel like I should do this immediately. Uh, Oh. You're going to kick yourself. I know I can. I, I'm like halfway there, but I, I'm not going to be able to get there quickly. Uh, I used to know this. I'm, I, I guess I, I don't know the answer. All right, we'll take a, an L for Mike there, Doc. <clears throat> David, do I have to say it? Uh, I guess for the competitive advantage, you don't. Because Marty wasn't there for that interview. I, I was going to say we interviewed him, and I bought his jersey. So okay, so Marty. That's not fair. He can just not yeah, play. You're it. right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. That means Marty doesn't know it. So go ahead and give him the, give him the answer, Doc. Oh my gosh, it's Tom. I actually was going to say Tom. That's hilarious. I swear to God. Yeah, that's what they all say. You, yeah. you guys are wrong. Is Flash Gordon is the right name? Uh, I should have just said we're going to accept Flash Gordon. Uh, okay, so each of you guys have three, and Mike has two. All right. The son of Ivan Rodriguez, Doc. Derek Rodriguez. Marty? Uh, Roger. <laughs> Marty? It's uh, Derek. Mike? Derek. I think Roger Rodriguez would be a better answer. <laughs> Roger, Roger, that doesn't even sound right. Rodriguez, <laughs> I could see it. I, I think it should have. I wish the answer was Roger Rodriguez. It's yeah, Derek Rodriguez. He pitched, started out with the Giants, and now he's kind of bounced all over the place. All right. 
Next Derek one. Rod- Derek Rodriguez was apparently like the biggest joke on fantasy baseball Reddit for a while. Was he? Yeah, he's like, they called him like a grenade or something. I mean, yeah, I he know. was pretty bad when he pitched. Um, all right, Marty, I think you're up. Give me the father of Aaron and Brett Boone. Oh, I should know this one, and I don't. I, to be fair, I didn't know his name either until I I did the game. So I I'll. I'm gonna there. I'm gonna stick with uh, with Mark. Mark. <laughs> yep. It's gonna hit one of these days. <laughs> Art. Um, the father of Aaron and Brett Boone is Bob. Bob. Michael. Bob. Doc. Yeah, I could hear him say Bob. Yeah, even though he was on mute, I could see his his mouth. Bob. Their correct answer is Bob. So you guys were able to ride Elsie's coattails on that one. Nice. I actually, I actually remember that. I knew that one too. Oh, nice job, guys. All right. What's their score update going to the last four? Me and Art are tied with five. Five, yeah. And then Marty, four? Three? Three. Mike, how many do you have? I think I have four. Maybe. All right. Yeah. And I have four. Oh, all right. We're good. <laughs> changing <laughs> scores here. All right. Give me the father of Michael Brantley. And Art, we start with you. You give them all the easy ones. Um, the last four are a little harder. Michael Brantley's father is named Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Do you guys want a hint? Yeah. It starts, it, it starts, it starts with M. <laughs> you already guessed Mark. So... You already, it would have been the same thing, Art. I just, that's why I said do the hint as it starts with M. You're still not going to get it. So I, Melvin. Nobody's going to get it. Eric? Uh, <laughs> Marvin. <laughs> I hope you guys are watching on YouTube just to see LC's reaction. <laughs> uh, uh, Marty, do you want to go with Mark, your guy as well? Or, uh, you wanna switch I'm going to go Michael. He has the same first name. It's a trick question. Technically, it's Mickey Brantley, but isn't Mickey short for Michael? Mm-hmm. Could be short for Mickey. It is. It is today. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't oh, is, count that like it. A half, is that a half I don't point? count it. I don't count it. Mickey Mantle wasn't Michael Mantle. It was Mickey Mantle. That's yeah, true. I'm looking, up, I'm looking up Mickey Brantley, and there's no Michael. Oh wait, hold on. Michael Charles Brantley Sr. No, Mike. We don't. We don't view him as Michael Brantley Jr. It's not on the back. Let Marty let Marty have this one. He's, I'm gonna he's let in last place it. right now. Yeah, okay. I'm going to let him have it. All okay. right, fine. Yeah. All right. Give me the son of Sal Butera. Michael. Drew. Doc. Drew. Marty. Drew. Art. Drew. Nice job associating the last name. I was hoping you guys would do that for me. All right, we got two twin, left. That's a, that's a twin, David. Come on. Good, good. All right, next one. Doc, give me the son of Steve Grilly. Jason. Marty. Jason. Art. Jason. Mike. Jason. All right, good job. Those were two just with the last name. All right, what's the score going to the last one? I got seven. I think me and Art have seven. Seven, yeah. And you both. Yeah, we have six, I think. All right, last one. Give me 
the father or what's going to be the harder version here give me okay i'm going to give it the, actually the other way give me the son of mike cameron marty you should know this do i go first um who started last one i did okay so marty you go first yeah. LC. Um, he, did he guess? I didn't hear. Him. He did, but it cut out. Luckily, I, I heard. I, he said the right name, so luckily. Is it is it Daz? What do you think, Daz? Daz, Daz Cameron. I gotta go with Daz. That's unanimous. And Toby's on there too. Daz, it is. I was gonna say who's the father of Daz Cameron, but I think this was that was a little harder to do it that way. That's ten. We have a tie at, at the top. And we're an hour and 12 minutes in, so we're a little long on this one. I'm going to give you guys the split tie. Uh, Good job, LC. Good job. Good job. Marty didn't win. Yeah. (laughs) Even with that gimme with Brantley. That was amazing that I just guessed Michael, and it was Michael. Why don't you guys see the genius in that? Yeah, I think think Marty should win just for the genius of that answer. You guys were Um, overthinking it. I'm upset that you didn't do like the Bobby Barry Bonds. I like was ready for that one. I was waiting for Prince and Cecil Field. Yeah, but those ones are too easy. I I had to make sure he kept it a little bit. I I mean, Craig and Kevin Biggio wasn't easy. I mean, that was just to give you guys confidence. And I totally forgot (laughs) to put the music on as we played the game, too. Goodness gracious. (laughs) I'm an amateur. This was supposed to be the, the game flow music. Oh, well, we'll play it as we outro here. Michael Richards, the man himself. Thank you so much for joining the show tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I had a lot of fun. I'm always willing to come back anytime you guys need me. And uh, yeah, keep doing what you guys are doing. Uh, It's getting popular. Everyone likes it. So just keep doing it. You're the man, dude. I want you to please, with some emphasis, some some, uh, stuff in your chest, please tell everybody where they can find you and all the work that you do. Okay, uh, right now you can find me. I just started last month at Fantrax. I do a weekly prospect uh, dynasty related article and I'm gonna be covering the Mariners during the season for Prospects 1500. And uh, I'm gonna start bringing back a lot more uh, lists for people, dynasty lists and try to help people uh, find players before they're ranked really high on everyone's list. Yeah, I mean, again, if you're looking for prospects, and you're looking for some of the best minds for prospects, you got to look no further than Michael Richards. And where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at uh, MPRichards1981. Nice, nice. Perfect. Yes, make sure you follow him if you're not already. Again, one of the best fantasy baseball minds out there. Everybody that watches Triple Play Fantasy on YouTube, you listen to the podcast. However you guys get your daily dose of Triple Play, we appreciate you guys. Next week, we're going to be joined by Ryan Bloomfield as we start breaking down our first half of Outfielders. So make sure you stay tuned for that. It's going to be a fun show. But until then, everyone, stay safe, happy drafting, and we're going to make like a bread truck, and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.